0: Guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I
1: like building something that has legacy.
0: This episode is sponsored by DIFX. DIFX is a cross-asset trading platform That is creating a new financial order by bridging traditional trading with cryptocurrencies. A platform to trade traditional assets like Forex, Indices, Metals etc alongside cryptocurrencies. With DIFX traders can choose from several instruments to create their very own exotic pairs like BTC and Gold or Ethereum and Apple or Litecoin and Crude Oil and so much more. Its unique ecosystem gives traders an option to trade on both their revolutionary MT5 platform and custom-built spot exchange, all while having a fully insured crypto wallet. It's now available on Android and iOS for you to download. Every now and again on this podcast, I hear of an entrepreneur or an idea that I've never heard of before. Uh, I might be, uh, not I might not be alone here, but. What Pichu and his co-founder are doing with North Ladder is really innovative, Uh, it's a solution the opposite to what you would think. So instead of saying that people are going to be buying mobile phones, therefore we should manufacture phones, they're actually doing the opposite. They're trying to um, provide a a carbon, uh, you know, a circular economy solution to recycling and cash back in people's pockets for recycling and things like that. So it's really interesting, very experienced uh, guy and team, and uh, they have a really good story to tell. Uh, So enjoy the interview. Welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. To my left is Pichu Ganglani, the co-founder of North Ladder. North Ladder is the world's first secure training platform that connects customers looking to sell pre-owned electronics to a global network of buyers. We'll be talking a lot about the carbon footprint and sustainability in financial trading, and a lot about how North Ladder came about. So, starting there. Good morning, Pishu.
1: Hi. Good morning, Richard. Thank Thanks you. for joining the show. Great introduction. Thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So um, we we're having a nice conversation before we jumped on air. Yes. You, you obviously know the region quite well. So, how yeah. how did you end up here, and how did North Ladder come about?
1: Well, so I've I've, uh, I've lived in this part of the world in Dubai actually for almost thirty years now. So this is oh. home. This is home for me and my family. Um, and North Ladder was something that came out from a few studies we were doing on what would happen with essentially the circular economy and um, the carbon footprint of a lot of the electronics that we work with. We were looking at um, trading electronics and what we discovered was a few stats in the process that completely blew us away. So I was just updating this you know, for our, for our conversation. I've got a study here from uh, McMaster's University in Canada and they've done um, quite a bit of in-depth research, quite groundbreaking, on both the carbon footprint and the overall CO2 impact of the technology industry. So they were looking at devices such as, you know, mobile phones, laptops, tablets, desktop computers, etc. Yeah. Most of us, when we look at a innocent little phone, the view is, I mean, how much impact can a little phone have, right? And, and that's what we all sort of believe till you actually look at the numbers. So I mean, if you get a bit of an idea very very quickly, just looking at smartphones, laptops, tablets, um, desktops, etc., currently contribute anywhere between three and three and a half percent of the total global footprint of CO2, mm. CO2 emissions. But it's expected to go to 14 percent by 2040. Mm. At 14 percent, this is more than half the carbon footprint of the entire transportation industry. I mean, okay. it's mind-boggling when you think of that. transportation not just cars planes cars planes you know the entire industry put together this would be more than half Mm -hmm. you know that amount which which really makes it a very very large you know impact on us so some of the stats if you look at let's just look at smartphones for a moment you know this little device that we all carry around generally one sometimes two on your body um last year this is the 2020 data there are 2.8 billion people in the world who have smartphones. So this is only 35% of the world's population. Okay. Right, 65% still don't have okay. mobile phones. Wow. But this 2.8 billion people have approximately 8 billion mobile phones. Okay. You know, in the world, this is roughly 2.6 you know phones per person. Yeah. Now, if you stop someone on the street, it's not like they've got two and a half phones on them, right? Mm-hmm. It's just that you've got phones left over at home that you haven't used and you haven't taken care of. And if you look at this. Um, 8 billion phones in the world um, last year, the CO2 emission from these phones represent about 125 million tons of CO2. And it's just completely staggering. Mm. But 80% of that comes from that's the manufacturing. That's the percent you mentioned. Yeah. yeah uh, that's 3.5%. The, the, the yeah. Three point, the, the, yes, that's yeah. 3.5%. Absolutely. Okay. Right? So it's
0: 100. Okay.
1: 125 million tons You know, wow. of carbon emission wow. coming out of just cell phones.
0: Um, right. I'm a little bit uninitiated in this. Mm. How does that work? Like, how, how, I mean, what, is wait, the phone it, actually giving out carbon, right? Yeah. I
1: mean, that's, that's what most of us think, right? <laughs> so, no, that's a very good question, Richard. 80% of the carbon emission comes from the manufacturing of the phone. Yeah. Because these phones use a lot of what we call rare earth materials, gold, tungsten, cobalt. And there's an entire industry based on mining this just for the phone industry, right? Mm. So this is where a lot of your carbon footprint. So by the time you buy your new phone, 80 percent of the carbon footprint's already out in the manufacturing. Yeah, right. And the staggering, um, uh, the, the real kicker, if you want to call, in all of this is less than one percent of these phones ever get recycled. Mm. So 99 percent of these phones are lying around in our our, our drawers, are going to end up in the bin, end up in a landfill, and that's when the problem really starts because you've got you know toxic chemicals, um, battery acids, etc., that are going to leak back into the earth, and and this is a this is a giant problem. And again. Only 35% of the world now, and this is uh, 2020, I assume, is a little bit still pre-COVID information. You can mm-hmm. imagine, you know, Same how base. many more uh, devices are coming up since then. Yeah.
0: Fascinating stats and very topical at the moment. So wh- ha- where does North Bladder come in and is, are, are you really focused on the circular economy in that respect?
1: So, so we were looking at both. So I and, and my co-founders all have sort of a financial background. We, we come from financial industries. And we were looking at the ability of people to monetize these assets. So here's here's the silver lining in the whole picture. Most people, on average, if you look at the UAE, um, most people have anywhere between you know five and seven thousand dirhams worth of assets, electronic assets, unused, lying around in their house. Yeah. Right. It doesn't feel that expensive because you don't know its real value, right? Mm. But it's sitting and lying around. Our view was if there was a way to monetize that, uh, that would be phenomenal. Because if you go back to the problem. And before we even get into North Ladder, the question I would have is, well, how do you solve this? Right? Mm. This is, this is clearly bigger than we thought. Mm. Well, there's two or three things you could do. One, of course, is, you know, sell it, recycle it, let someone at least be able to use it so you don't have to manufacture another device. Mm. The other one is use it a lot longer. So on average in the world people update their phone every 3 years but in mm-hmm. this part of the world we update it every 2 years.
0: Are there Kindle or there TV or whatever? Well, well
1: exactly or right their well, no mobile phones only I'm only yeah. talking mobile phones right yeah. so we we tend to, in this part of the world replace it you know every 2 years. The UAE has anywhere between 10 and 12 million devices at any moment. KSA is roughly 5 times that amount right so okay. 50 million devices okay. We're replacing them every 2 years right so the first advice would be don't Right? Hold it a little longer. I'm very proud to show you this, but here you go. This is a Blackberry of mine, oh, wow. four years old. Most people haven't even seen a Blackberry. They don't know it still exists. <laughs> so use them as long as you can. Amazing. Right? Yeah. Second one is, you know, in cash, would sell it. So why don't people do that? Yeah. Well, that's where the problem starts. Yeah. How do you do that? You could, well, you could troll the back streets of Satwa and Dera and try and find some of the smaller shops. So in KSA, you go to, you know, Marcelat Market in Riyadh, and that's not easy. Or, you know, there's the joy of listing it online and then you've got 50 people calling you at all times of the day bargaining with you. And then you've got a stranger turning up to your house to do the whole hostage exchange of cash versus, you know, the device. Um, and here's another problem most people don't realize. The data on your phone, right? Um, we think that, hey, we'll just do a factory reset in a format, you know, and you're done. Well, think again. Really? Professional um, data wipe services will do what's known as a triple wipe. Hmm. It takes almost an hour and a half to really wipe the data off your phone. And what they do is they format the you know the, the the what do you say the storage, fill it up with data, format that again, fill it up with data, and do it a third time. And only then they're kind of sure that you know your data okay. is gone. Yeah. Otherwise, our whole life is 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 on the phone.
0: Yeah, photos, yeah. contacts, messages, identity apps, theft, passwords. Um, you know, misuse
1: of that data. So yeah, most people don't realize that. Yeah. So so these are the reasons. It's it's therefore no wonder you leave it in the phone. It's not out of laziness, you know, that you leave it in the drawer. Mm. Uh, it's out of it's just too much hassle. Mm. So that's kind of where North Ladder comes in. It's a big problem to solve. <laughs> well, so, so yeah, we, we've worked on it for a few years and I'm, I'm very excited. We've got a phenomenal you know, leadership team with us you know, working on this. And, and it's taken a few years to get this right. A lot of it came from our experience and our background in the financial markets. And I'll tell you where this comes in. If you think of it from a user's point of view, I need three things for me to sell my phone. Number one, I'd like to get the best price in the market. I don't want to go haggling and you know uh, bargaining with people. Number two, I want it to be convenient. I don't want to risk people coming home. You know, I want this to be fast and easy. And Number three, I need it to be secure, right? So that my data, you know, is, is, is safe. So the way we do that is our pricing comes from quite a unique uh, model. It's it's actually a world first that we've developed. Um, it's what we call a reverse pricing engine. Okay. This is effectively how Nasdaq works, right? So we've got in the UAE now 200 plus stores. Um, these small shops we talked about, 200 of them roughly, are continuously competing with each other to give the highest price for your phone before you even list it. Yeah. Right. So so that's how the stock market works. That means you can go to our website now and you can get a price in roughly two seconds. Okay. Right? Because you'll get the top price right away. So that takes care of the highest price.
0: Can I just ask? Is this someone who's if I'm selling a, a an, if I buy the iPhone 13 or the new BlackBerry, right? And I, have <laughs> I wish a, there was a new BlackBerry. <laughs> but I have a leftover one. Yes. Typically, I think that someone else might use that for cheaper to buy a secondhand iPhone. Yes. So for a few hundred dirhams or whatever. But is there another market out there where people are buying things that aren't with the intention of using it?
1: Uh, as in recycling, yeah, you're referring to. Well, there is there is a large and thankfully growing market, you know, for recycled and refurbished, you know, phones.
0: But typically, these two hundred buyers are going to use that phone as a phone.
1: No, they're at, so these are two hundred stores so, yeah. who are continuously buying, they're refurbishing it, upgrading it, and they're exporting it. So Dubai has now become actually one of the largest re-export hubs for mobile telephones. Mm. And I think we recently beat Hong Kong. Um so, so these phones then get exported after being refurbished to places like you know Eastern Europe, Africa, um other parts of the Middle East and even used here. Mm. So there's a there's a huge sort of demand for it. In fact the interesting thing is if you speak to the market, they are supply constrained. Because mm. we don't give them the phones, mm. you know, so they they have got a lot of demand for it. Mm. So, so actually, this is a very lucrative market, you know, to get into.
0: So uh, you know, it could be that some of the billions, the five billion or so that don't have smartphones, yes. that they will use recycled secondhand phones in in Africa or where. Absolutely, yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely, and uh, you know, um, um, they the way our lives are moving. It's no longer nice to have. Yeah. Right? So so the moment. Um, this is only going to grow. There's no other way for it to go. Yeah. The idea is reduce the need to manufacture more devices and extend the life. Interesting. So, so coming back to the pricing, our website is the equivalent of you visiting 200 stores and trying to get them to compete to give you a price. So you get the highest price right away. From a convenience point of view, um, you can do one of two things. You can visit any of our centers, and we've got a number of them opening up all the time. So there'll be one near you. You can visit there. And you're out. Um, um, Sid, who manages our, our sort of marketing, loves to say it. But, you know, you're, you're gone in 60 seconds, right? Turn yeah. in, you check the phone, you get the cash, you know, and you're done. Yeah. Or you can even have the convenience of someone coming home. And this is one of our people coming home, picking up the device and paying you cash right there. Okay. So that takes care of the convenience part. Yeah. And um, all of our phones go through a full sort of white drive uh, uh, service that we offer to make sure that the devices are cleaned, okay, you know, before they're sold out. So that takes care of your security and so risk side the of it. Pricing,
0: we'll, convenience, security, yeah. all done,
1: right? All so, done through. And and um, because we are market driven, you are always getting the market best price, right? So so we have no incentive to lower the price ourselves because our fees also work off the, the top of the price. Volume, yeah, yeah uh, absolutely,
0: yeah, the higher. So uh, ju- just a question, if. What you've identified is something that might that wasn't obvious to me and might be obvious to many is mm. a, a res, uh, kind of a, a market opportunity these devices are sitting in the home yes um, millions of them uh, well why wouldn't you just be a, a exporter why wouldn't you just if you wanted to make money uh, you, you know yes. why wouldn't you just be a middleman that sort of collects all these for yourselves why, why are you deciding to be the enabler or the facilitator
1: Thank you that's actually a great question. If you went in today to a lot of the, or actually I should say, if you went in six months ago to a lot of the stores in in Dubai, um, they would offer you a price to trade in and you know, you're getting pennies to the dollar for what it's worth. Your whole point is, yeah, whatever, you know, it's better than leaving it around. Go ahead, you know, give me the two, three hundred dirhams and, you know. Take the phone that I bought yeah. for 3,000 dirhams and give me the new one. You know one, they're right?
0: kind of ripping you off. but
1: Well, like, they yeah. actually, it's, it's, not, it's yeah. not them. It's that they're selling it into wholesalers. Yeah. Now, if you think of the life cycle of a phone, a wholesaler buys it. Um, they refurbish it. They then sell it to a, a distributor who then exports it to another distributor in another country who then goes to a small dealer. At the end, the phone has to turn up to what we call the last mile dealer.
0: Mm.
1: If you think of where secondhand phones are purchased, they're generally in these smaller stores. So there are four or five layers from the time they buy it from you to the time it reaches there. And every layer needs its, needs its fee. Mm. What we do is we jumped straight to the last mile dealer and said, you give us the price. Mm. Now, whilst these guys are not going to buy a thousand devices, they'll buy 50 or 100 a month at the most, having two or 300 of them on your platform now builds a very large demand base. Okay, But you're getting the highest price because you're bypassing all of the dealers. Okay, And that was exactly what we wanted to do. We built this marketplace, because we know from our financial markets experience, the only way you will ever get a market price is if you have competition and transparency. Mm. And this market has always been intransparent. You never knew what your phone was worth. And now you do, because they all compete. So if you think of it, when a guy puts a price, he knows he's the top of the book. And everyone knows that's the top price, all the other competitors. The moment they beat them, everyone knows that, hey, this is no longer the top of the book. So they're Mm continuously sort of uh, competing mm, to get you the best price.
0: So uh, interesting, so you've kind of created a marketplace yes. and you, and there's one person on one side and one on the other. Yeah. In, in that respect then, I as a user, can I put my, can I log on to your platform and put my device up for
1: sale or is that what happens You get in a store? price in, in two seconds, okay. three seconds. You don't even need to put it up. So we don't need photos. We don't need you to list anything. We don't need any of your history. Yeah. All you go there is say, this is my model. This is the condition. You'll get a price, you know, straight yeah. away. Turn up to a store and pick up your cash.
0: Okay, that's interesting.
1: What we've also done, that's why I said, you know, when we were talking about trading in your phone six months ago, now we've got um, roughly the large retailers that we're talking about. um, We've got roughly 150 stores um, who now use our platform to give you a trade-in price. So if you walked into a large retailer and you said, I want to buy a new phone, do you have a trade-in service? Most of them are now served through this platform because it's in their interest. They give you the highest price. And when we say highest, we're talking 70 to 90% more than what you would have got from the wholesaler. Wow. It's a significant increase in, in value. Amazing. So,
0: so that's your B2B layer and they have a yeah. dashboard and they and might they, be. They,
1: and, and what they'll do, so you'll walk into a store, you'll say, listen, I want to give my my old phone in. They'll yeah. go find this is its value. Are you happy? You click a button, you Amazing. get a voucher, use that to trade it in and buy whatever you need.
0: Smart. Because they haven't um, built out their own system. So.
1: No. And even if they did, they don't. Get the access to the market, they yeah. want that because it's in the store's interest that you get the highest value. Yeah, uh, your propensity to upgrade to a new phone.
0: Interesting, and because they don't, because that they're not the market. The market is a smaller store because yes. they're not refurbishing; yeah. they're buying the new ones.
1: Correct. They're only yeah. they're only interested in selling you the new ones. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So just, that's
0: why the voucher thing works. Correct. And also, that's not good for for your thesis because you don't want. Manufacturing to increase. You want yes. to slow it down.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's 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 exactly right. Yeah, and that's absolutely right. That's why people ask me, "Why do you have an old broken phone?" I go, "Well, that's that's <laughs> how I'd like to run it." It's been four years now. So,
0: yeah, amazing, uh, fascinating. So it's really you know it's really nice to have a, such a fresh concept and that yeah. idea. I've learned a lot o- already. Um, so talking a little bit on Northlander, you know, did you? So what's the sort of investment that you needed and what's the regulation you know, to have uh, stores as well as a digital platform? Yeah. How did you go about that in Dubai?
1: So, so the interesting thing is we are, we are what you would call an asset light model. Yeah. Right? We don't own any of these devices. We, we only buy what already. So we'll, we'll only buy your phone because someone else is ready to buy it and let's put a price for it. Mm. So we're literally just picking it up, delivering it, and you know, we make the cut in the middle. Um, and we've used rather than build our own footprint of stores and, and services, we've actually used um, existing stores because if you look at it from the store's point of view, if you turn up to give your phone in order to collect the cash or you turn up to trade, your footfall for them, they actually want you to come into the store. So we've kind of worked off that and that's Sorry. a faster way to grow. Yeah. Uh, and scale up.
0: So, what are some of the stores that I could do a North Ladder exchange? Uh,
1: you could so so if you wanted to do a trade in, and yeah. uh, an upgrade, you could go to Carrefour, you could go to Lulu, you could go to you know Emax. Uh, okay, uh, and a lot of these, and, and we're adding stores, you know, um, all the time.
0: And to get cash,
1: um, if you get cash, we've also got a number of um, centers that have opened up. Uh, a lot of these are are either small shops or networks that work yeah. in shopping malls. Sure. So there's a decent chance that at least in Dubai, with our transport system being phenomenal. There's a decent chance of a you know place next to you less than five, 10 minutes away.
0: Yeah, amazing.
1: Um, and then you walk in and, and that's it. Cash in ten minutes.
0: Very convenient. Other than having uh, a keen sense of uh, the problem the planet is facing, are there uh, you know are there incentives for you related to the carbon uh, footprints kind of uh, pledges that people the countries have been making? Mm-hmm. Are there was there an incentive to Provide this type of solution business-wise.
1: Well, it's 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 actually um, fantastic doing this in a place like Dubai because it's quite inspiring to see that the government of the UAE has made a statement focusing on the circular economy um, and looking at recycling as a as a big move. So that's been very helpful for us. We've had conversations with with you know some of these uh, sort of ministries that are looking at it. So very very supportive. Mm. Um, they recognize its value. They recognize you know the impact of doing this. One of the other things we've done, and again, we're looking for ways for people to not trash the stuff, right? So our catchphrase is, you know, cash it before you trash it, Mm. right? Um, So we've even tied up with a lot of charitable organizations here saying, you know, if your donors um, donate uh, old laptops, mobiles, and if you think of large corporations especially, right, they go through these old cycles where you've got to replace. All the phones and the laptops, yeah, like, and 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 data is such an important thing for them that they'd rather they'd literally rather destroy it than give it out. Right, the risk is too big. Sure. but if we built the whole infrastructure and they donated that to the charitable institution, we help them, you know, yeah. cash it. Um, so, yeah, so so yeah, there's there's lots of avenues. Yeah, where, where
0: corporate um, as well as personal. Yeah, it's probably another millions of devices because yes. they, they you know they write them down they depreciate the assets and at some point it there's no there's no book value rates. but it's
1: but it's still it's yeah. worth it so you know if you yeah. don't want the cash at least donate it let someone get some <laughs> value out of it
0: yeah interesting yeah. fascinating because you know the, obviously in the media last week there was that you know the cop 26 in glasgow and there's a lot of yes. pressure on on not pressure but there's a lot of attention on what countries are doing yeah uh but not and then countries then can, which is why my last question was about incentives. Countries can then decide on incentives that trickle down and then into uh, the capitalist world that we live in in terms of entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it, but what's the sort of you know working the other way around is your story, right? Because you're doing it from the ground up. You're doing it from a kind of an entrepreneur point of view. Yes. and you're not doing it from a well. Let the countries do what they're doing and their pledges. But you're kind of doing it in the mm-hmm. Uh, startup approach of like here's so a, a problem ground level yeah. Ground level yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah like here's a problem and here's something that's sort of it's fascinating you're you're not just looking at carbon emissions you're looking at the number of devices that will be in the world yes so rather than manufacturing new phones someone might look at those stats yeah. and go okay there's Two point five or three point five billion have smartphones. Yeah. Therefore, another three billion will have smartphones by twenty forty. Yes. So let's make more phones. But you're yeah, doing yeah. the opposite. <laughs> Please don't. <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely.
0: But you're doing the opposite. But you're actually doing the opposite in the way that it's still it's still a business, still a viable solution.
1: Oh yes, very much so. I mean the 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 emerging refurb and and uh, recycle. Um, industry, especially for smartphones, is a multi-billion-dollar industry already, yeah, um, and growing significantly fast. And again, it's just been a supply-constrained industry, yeah. Right, with the only one percent, you know, doing the recycling. The moment that goes up, you're definitely able to meet the demand, yeah. Um, and that's what we're hoping, you know, to be able to achieve. The other element is this is a global industry, so here's the dream, if you want to call it that. We, we always sit there as a leadership team, thinking about, you know, what's our north star. The idea would be someone in the US, you know, walks into a store and says, I wish to recycle the phone, gets the highest price from someone for a dealer in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Instantly is able to complete the deal right there, get the cash. We take care of the logistics to ship it right over. And the guy in Saudi has picked up the phone because the guy in Saudi is probably going to pay a much higher price than any dealer in the US. Mm. So the beautiful thing about international markets is you compete at the global level, right? Not at your city level. Yeah. So our, our, it's not a dream actually the plan is to build a global network mm. that's able to do this and again because we've seen this done and it works perfectly well in the financial markets we're essentially replicating how the financial markets work the fact yeah. that you know you can buy an american stock uh, paying in dirhams while you're sitting you know on a beach somewhere in sri lanka yeah only happens because of that yeah, so that's that sort of what do we want to build?
0: But there is one difference that the product does need to be shipped. The physical, yes. Yeah. The good
1: news is that's already solved. the The mobile phone market is already global. Yeah, um, and these things are being shipped right shipped now. It's just time. that there are way too many, you know, yeah. sort of middlemen in it, and, yeah. and that's what you disrupt.
0: It's fascinating, you know, talking about Dubai as a man, as a export market is a trend that has come up on this podcast in mm-hmm. different industries, yeah. whether it's manufacturing uh, ref- uh, houses, portable houses, or mm-hmm. whether it's sofas and you know that uh, leads to sort of the supply chain kind of logistics yes problem that we're having in the moment but it's yes. it's positive for Dubai in that the world so it's really a positive sign for the GDP and the economy in the UAE yeah. but uh, what's your sort of view uh, where we are I guess there's two uh, macro trends or two ones that I'm aware of coming out of the pandemic one is a uh, an energy crisis, and the mm. other one is um, a container crisis. Or uh, yeah, logistics, logistics. Yeah, yeah things around. are kind of yeah. stalled, and people can't get uh,
1: supplies. So, so we were we were very fortunate that way. So, so very recently, one of our colleagues from McKinsey, who we knew very well, um, has came on board. A gentleman called Amin Shah. Now, Amin Shah was actually head of logistics for the Landmark Group globally. Okay, uh, well, wow. he's one of the experts. Um, uh, I'd say in the world, but very definitely in the region, yeah. one of the experts on global logistics. And yeah. he's, he's sort of joined us you know, full-time recently, so we're very excited. And they've done, they like, obviously, they,
0: they've had a lot of, uh, you know, their past has had to deal with a lot of retail, a lot of goods, but then they built this amazing facility in DAFSA as yes. well, which is which is their own yeah. sort of last-mile unit, which yes. is really uh futuristic, yeah. yeah. And Mahim and,
1: and, and was one of the architects of that, so we're, wow. we're excited. I mean, the, the joke we have internally is, you know, Mehin's probably forgotten more about you know the logistics world than I ever remember in my lifetime. <laughs> so, so yeah it's, yeah, it's fantastic to have. Uh,
0: so he's got, but so, but so that's interesting. what's from your point of view, uh, so he will be looking after how you export your phones. Is it?
1: Yeah, he's he's sort of building out. You know, he's he's going to be again the principal architect to build out this because we realize upfront. Yes, it's great. You know, so far in the UAE, it's been phenomenal. But this is a global industry and a global opportunity, Mm. um, and the impact is global. Mm. So you would have to get your logistics right. I mean, that's the that's the key thing, which is why um, that's the focus. Do you think so? Do you think
0: that the the current logistics problem is a a hangover from the pandemic, or do you think we're looking at something more sustained and more serious?
1: Well, I, I. You know, we all hope it will ease and we think it will. What has probably also happened is the demand for logistics has gone up. Um, Even if you look at micro last mile, last mile delivery, right? I mean, the demand has gone up, and whenever the demand goes up, generally there might be a bit of a lag, but the industry catches up. Yeah. So, whilst you're probably going to feel a bit of a squeeze in the next, uh, you know, couple of years, um, the industry is going to build, it's going to get stronger and smarter. So, Mm -hmm. we're going to find you know, far better ways for logistics to work. I don't think it'll ever stop. Yeah. Um, um, so so yeah, we're we're actually quite how do you say optimistic about the future of how logistics will Interesting.
0: work. Interesting, because it is fascinating. You know, a lot of the business narrative around Q4 in terms of you know gifting and things like that, mm. and busier businesses, you know, comes down to in the digital world, like the cost of travel, the cost of Amazon, the cost of shipping, and mm. things like that. And it's fascinating, and we. You know, we think it's just a seasonal thing, but obviously that's accelerated. Yes, and now everyone, you know, ev- yeah. everything's global. No, 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 exactly, more <laughs> global
1: you go, seasonality just disappears. Right? Yeah, it, it's uh, yeah.
0: So we, we all we, we want things physically. At, so fast, and mm. so many things are happening around that, right? Yeah, like I, I It's a funny, silly anecdote, but uh, I bought it, my TV blew, right? And so, I have an, right. an old Philips TV and I'm thinking about how I can recycle it, but I blew it blew a few weeks ago or two weeks ago. And I bought a new Samsung device, mm. and uh, someone came to help last night to put it up on the wall, yeah. And uh, my mum was there, and they he left because we didn't have the right devices. And I kind of forgot about it. And she said, Oh, I've already bought the bracket. And she was like, Amazon, I got it Amazon. <laughs> excited that she could do it so fast. I said, you probably should have waited for the,
1: <laughs> the guy to whatever."
0: But, but, um, you know, the excitement to be able to do something so fast, yes. to get the bracket. And then. Bang, bang. Like, it's just really fast, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, but, no, but, like, there's no thought of where's that coming from.
1: <laughs> I know, I know. It's yeah. like, you you know, you order food and he's 20 minutes late and you're going, oh, my goodness, it's been 20 minutes. And yeah. so you just think of what's going on here. Right? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, someone cooks food for you and delivers it to you nice and warm and hot.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, in 20 minutes. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. you know, yeah, and even in that industry, you could look at what are the problems. Yeah. And you've kind of tend to look at the, the technology industry and kind of try and find a solution. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, so so super interesting. Uh, do, wh- what's the kind of roadmap for for you and for North Adir now?
1: Well, we've we've um, broken ground uh, for our operations in Saudi Arabia. Um, that's been obviously because of COVID. It took longer than we planned to go. We're very excited with Saudi. It's it's uh, apart from being you know a larger market, um, the the excitement on the ground in and I've been I've been going to Saudi off and on for the last thirty years. So yeah. I, I feel it. The
0: what was the first thing you did there? You kind of told me, but tell me again. <laughs> it was, it was, it was.
1: You know, you landed in, and it was such a pleasant surprise. The yeah. immigration officer was a young lady who looked up and smiled at you and said, "Welcome to Riyadh." And I was, oh my gosh, that's yeah. amazing. But the enthusiasm and the optimism on the ground is palatable. You can yeah. feel it, right? Yeah. The average person you speak to is, you know, we're very excited. We know where we're going to go. You know, it's it's as uh, uh, a significant amount of investment. Coming into it as well, so I think you're looking at a at, at almost a second wave emerging economy. Yeah, um, that's really um, interesting. Coming out of it, coming out of side. So that's the feeling I get anyway. Very enthusiastic.
0: But is it is it different than when you were there thirty years ago? I think you you said you did something with the financial markets. And- ah,
1: yes. So my my our, our bit of history. So so one of my co-founders, a uh, gentleman called Ricky Husseini. So Ricky and I launched. Um, well. 30 years, 27 years ago. He hates for me to tell him the age because he feels like <laughs> they're too old. But about 27 years ago, Ricky and I launched the world's first um, automated trading system in Saudi Arabia for FX swaps, for foreign wow. exchange swaps. We were with, I was with Reuters at the time. Ricky was with Standard Chartered Bank and okay. we kind of you know, set that. And That was our real introduction to what a marketplace can do, right? Opening transparency, uh, opening competition, creating transparency. And that just caused the markets, you know, to take off. And we saw that happen firsthand. Mm. So this to us is a bit of, I know it's a completely different industry, yeah. but the principles are exactly the same.
0: And did you see, so that, was that related to the, to the Saudi markets, to the Tadawul, and, and is that what happened No, later, so, so foreign exchange
1: swaps, I and mean, we can get into that. FX swaps are, or at that time, were traded amongst a few banks in Saudi, London, and the US, right? Okay. So, so it was theoretically global but a small group of people who were trading it, but working through middlemen. yeah, And the cost was very high, transparency was quite low, and therefore the traded volumes were were
0: mm-hmm. not as
1: big as they could be. The moment mm-hmm. we brought in this sort of transparency and competition, that just took off okay. you know, completely, and just the FX point okay. exchange markets.
0: Interesting, fascinating. So yeah, I mean, Saudi is an interesting one, obviously, mm-hmm. and the, the environment that you described now, the, the welcome, the, the palpable sort of excitement, yes. uh, so how do you approach that? Because I think when it, by entering Saudi separately to here is definitely something that is needed, uh, right? Like uh, people assume with a digital world, if you've got a product that's uh, got a brand that's known in the UAE, yeah. then automatically that's a rite of passage in Saudi. But it's. It's not, the not case. really
1: yes I mean you know you're absolutely right like anything else you know there's never a cookie cutter answer yeah right um, and and we know we are very clear that the Saudi need is going to need a Saudi solution um, on the one hand the need is ubiquitous right everybody has these things wants to sell them wants to get the best price on how to do it how we actually execute it who we partner with these are things that you kind of customize to the Saudi market we're working through that. You know sort of right now so you know watch this space hopefully okay. if we can get on your show in a few months we'd love to come and tell you how that's turned out
0: yeah amazing it would be good to follow uh we, we actually launched a media business there four oh, years right. ago and okay with you know and it's i had that similar experience just seeing the young saudi media graduates wanting yeah. to work in this type of
1: a business yeah. and it,
0: you know it, it it is amazing but you also you can't expect everything overnight. You kind of, you know.
1: Although they seem to be doing it, which is, which is <laughs> like unbelievable. Yeah. And, and also, the, the you know, the view you get on the ground is phenomenally entrepreneurial. I mean, yeah. on every street corner, you're going to see someone trying something, whether it's a restaurant, whether it's a store. But they're, they're all indigenous sort of um, ideas that they're building and running with. Yeah. And I walk away with the sense that I think the average uh, person in Saudi is very, very entrepreneurial.
0: Yeah. and What's your view then on, on the sort of economies in the region sort of, post pandemic, post sort oh. of even even Arab Spring, even the last ten years, like are there any is there any pattern recognition, is there any way of saying that this is this is a market that will emerge or is there any kind of sense of that? Or is it a country by country situation?
1: <laughs> it's a big question. Yeah, you're, yeah, that's an economist's, an economist's question. Yeah. Or um,
0: well, as an entrepreneur.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, I'll, uh, I'll be blunt, and I'd love to sound like an economist, and, and, and I might be trained for it. But uh, we are, we're laser-focused on the problem we're trying to solve. Fair enough. Um, we feel we've got absolutely the right capabilities as far as leadership and technology is concerned. We know that our technology is groundbreaking. It is unique. Um, and it's because we brought solutions from a completely different industry. If you were within the electronics industry, you wouldn't think of, let me go figure out how banking works. I mean, I'll give you an example. The ability for the price for your phone to come from a shop in Abu Dhabi and the fact that you can walk down to a store, you know, on Sheikh Zayed Road below you and exchange it straight away involves quite a bit of, you know, not just logistics, but settlement and financial You know capabilities, and these are the things that we built because that's how the financial industry works. Yeah. So if you looked at it purely from the technology world, the solution may not have come out that way. We've Mm. we've gone; it's not out of the box. It's a another planet, Mm. you know, and brought that down. So we're very focused on where that works out. Your question on the economy, I'd have to tell you, it's more personal, but I'm very enthusiastic, and and we've lived here for thirty years. And the beautiful thing about Dubai is, I love the way it reinvents itself every five years. Yeah. So, so it's a little bit like what you say about the UK weather, right? You don't like it, wait for a while, yeah. you know, <laughs> it'll change. You know,
0: so, so. Not Ireland, but it's always right. <laughs> <very laughs> yeah, no, we're, we're going good, there fine. for a holiday, so. Oh, nice. No, well, hopefully, it Shallow will be nice for you yeah. then. Uh, but yeah, I think I think fair enough. That's like, a good answer. But mm-hmm. also, you know, an entrepreneur does needs not not luck, but it needs. Uh, an entrepreneur, obviously in a capitalist world, needs yeah. sort of a good economy, right? Not,
1: yeah. Yes. So there, there, if you think about it, um, as a startup, as any startup in any industry, there's two or three things that you really need, right? Today, especially. Number one, you need a supportive government. Mm. And, and we really are um, fortunate to be in this part of the world, both UAE and Saudi. There's a lot of focus on helping startups you know, grow and helping them, not just in terms of you know giving them money, but the way the regulatory environment is starting to work, the kind of support that you're getting, you know, we, we had a few obstacles in Saudi, but it was fantastic. We met the right people. They were very, very understanding. And, you know, they're, they're getting the wheels to move, which is, which is very important. The second one is you want a, a very, very inclusive sort of commercial environment, right? The way you do taxes, the way you actually transfer funds, the way you do um, a lot of your activities. Um, that needs to become easier and faster. And that's beginning to happen here. You know, you could see that happening versus some countries where, you know, just the multiple layers of taxes alone, you know, you want to sort of forget it, go home and do it again, right? Mm. Here, that's not the case, which is helpful. Bit of a slow
0: start, though. It it (laughs) is, but,
1: but, but like a lot of things, they've, they've they've seen what the world has already learned and you kind of jump it. It's like, it's like when, when some parts of Asia went from, you know, um, uh, they didn't they bypassed copper completely and went straight to wireless when it came to telecom. Yeah. So here, um, yes, we might be late, but at least we're bringing the best of what we've seen. Good. We're not going through the, the learning curve before. What would help is more openness on the ability for you to move things around now we're talking now, it's back to logistics, but it's the still the duties and taxes around import and export of assets, et cetera. It's getting better, but it would be nice if it got there faster, right? Mm. Your ability to be able to move this. If you think of a lot of countries, there are barriers to importing and exporting um, products because they're trying to effectively protect the local industries. Yeah. I think once the knowledge comes up that actually this is good for the economy, it's mm. good for both sides. It's not. It, it might be hurting, you know, one small industry, but overall the economic impact is huge. There's enough experience to tell us that trading blocks. All collectively do better. Yeah. And that even if you go to the EU as an example, the more you open the borders, the Absolutely. more you allow trade to happen, both sides benefit. Yeah. Here we're still, we've got a few barriers. Yeah. Right? And the so.
0: trading agreements here seem to be by country to country. Yes. And yes. And you, yeah, not everyone in on yes. the same thing. Yes. So, so, Different so that, MOUs and things like that. The, yeah. Uh,
1: exactly. And, and, and there's a different understanding of how it works as well. And, and um, we're, we're grappling with that right now, but yeah. that would certainly make life a lot easier.
0: But again, as you mentioned, it seems to be going in the right direction because yes. these conversations are being had. Yes, yeah. yes. That's, that's absolutely, absolutely right. Um, so d- something you mentioned at the start of the podcast, uh, the interview about uh, the comparison between the transport industry mm. and uh, which is startling, that, that, yes. that technology. But I don't know if this is a question, but you mentioned 2040. Mm. But probably then the transport transport would have come
1: down and it would would be be worse but
0: but but also it would be doubly worse because transport will be technology like tesla is is a smartphone in a way right? it's a smart car right and so you're actually compounding the problem so will you be recycling teslas as well
1: (laughs) well i'd love to learn how to do that i'll have to yeah give elon a call and figure that one out (laughs) but no but but you're right i mean uh, it's again you know i was i was asked this question recently by someone in my family going yeah dad it can't be such a big deal i go well listen Every time you stream um, you know, stream something on video or send someone an email or a chat, there is a giant power-hungry server somewhere out there working 24-7 to try and make that happen. So so it, the big misconception is because it's a small device, it's a small problem, and mm. it's not.
0: Mm. Yeah. It's a big problem.
1: It is, it is. And, and you're right. I mean, the concept of, hey, we're all going to go electric. Yeah, but that's a slightly different problem as well.
0: Yeah. It's okay. So, so, yes. so I see there's an entrepreneurial solution for it, but are there... Are there other things that you think, are there other smart things you've seen that have, are helping this problem? Uh,
1: as in around, around. I, I, I truly believe um, if, you, if you think about uh, on the energy side. and, and
0: electricity, on using, yeah, sorry.
1: <laughs> Let me go pull out my PhD. Very quickly. No, I, I, again, if I, I, I sort of bring it down to, to yeah. our industry, what I like very much is that even the refurbished industry is now becoming Two things are happening. Number one, the industry itself is becoming a lot more dependable. Mm. So in the past, when you went to buy a secondhand phone, the refurbished guy told you, Well, I fixed it. Don't worry. You're walking away going, I hope it works, you know, two days from now, right? Because my warranty uh, ends the moment I leave the store. Now you've got refurbished players who Mm. will give you phones that are refurbished. You almost get the like brand new experience. It's packed very well and you've got a good warranty period, you know, on it. And the second thing that's happening that I'm more excited with is, People don't have a problem with this anymore. Right. It's it's actually very honestly speaking, it's actually cool for you to go in and buy something and reuse it yeah. rather than go buy brand new. Definitely. Yeah. And I love that movement. I, I see this with, with the younger generation and you sort of sit there going, Yeah, that, that's, yeah that's 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 a fantastic change. So yeah. that's gotta happen. Energy, we're always gonna be hoping for the next breakthrough. We've got to get beyond the battery somehow. Right, yeah. right now, lithium-ion is still pretty much our our ceiling, but um yeah. I'm just forever optimistic. We'll figure it out. There's enough people working on it. Yeah,
0: definitely. Uh, Yeah, definitely. And especially in in this region as well. And in Saudi, they're always looking at solutions. But so, you know, just from a practical kind of Dubai point of view and in the circular economy, people talk about uh, initiatives in place for single use plastic. And this is a term you often hear. uh, Not that there's and people recognize and accept it's a big idea. We never mm. hear of single-use, what do we call these? Well, phones. Oh, Lord. Yeah. yeah. We, yeah. Don't, we don't hear <laughs> single-use tech. And yeah. the, so, you know, we're not, if, if you go to recycle at a, a, a bank, you might have a plastic or a disposable. Yeah. You
1: don't have one that says drop your devices or Why not? And by the way, that would, and again, you could go ahead and do that. But unless you were very, very confident of the data, most people would not risk that. I never data would. data problem. Absolutely. You yeah. know, absolutely. Yeah. Unless you can take one and a half hours and wipe your phone. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't do that.
0: Yeah. But maybe maybe the North Ladder as well as being in stores could mm-hmm.
1: have uh, Recycling uh, centers. Yeah. That's an interesting idea. It could be besides where we put our plastic and, and uh, wine bottles. And set that up. Up. <laughs> oh, really? Well, my CEO is going to be listening to this. So, you know, thanks for more work, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> no
0: problem. You can put it in your 2022 things <laughs> uh, to do after your holiday to Ireland. <laughs> uh, brilliant. So, uh, so yeah, so is it, so how do people kind of get involved with North Ladder? How do they, like if I go home this evening, what's what's the sort of call to action here? Well, I
1: I do I do two things. I'd go find that five thousand dirhams because it's there somewhere, you know. Yeah. Look at all the devices that you have lying around. Right now, we cover mobile phones, laptops, tablets, uh, smartwatches. You know all of these things, right? And there's prices for all of them. Um, you could go to our website, you know, www.northladder.com. Sorry, I had to put the sales pitch in there. No problem. But go to the website, yeah. you would get a price literally in three seconds. You'd be able to pick it up, and you know what it's worth. So that's the first thing you could do. And the second thing is if you're looking to buy something new please take all these devices go to any of our store partners they're pretty much most of them now um, and go trade them in at least you'll get cash yeah I mean I'm sorry to throw a name in here but if you went to a place like say for example car four um, you could buy groceries with it right you don't yeah. have to buy another electronic device you're Smart. getting vouchers to use to shop for anything okay Very so, good. so so this is a, this is the great thing that I do the second thing I'd recommend is use them a little longer if you can you yeah know, this urge to upgrade to the latest uh, model because it's out yeah hopefully that'll that'll change well, appreciate you.
0: you've given us a lot to think about you've certainly <laughs> given you. me a lot to think about thanks so much and we'll follow north ladder and yeah great story
1: <laughs> thank you richard thank you very much and <laughs> thank you for that. having me thanks for coming thank in you.
0: wow well i said at the start that i learned something new and i definitely did there uh you know just understanding carbon emissions and um, all the statistics that Pichu had to share—it was really f- flabbergasting that, uh, you know, in, by 2040, uh, mobile phone devices can uh, be as half as harmful uh, to the planet as uh, the total transport sector as well. So it's just really interesting, and it's good to know that, as well as you know, government leadership providing incentives and solutions to this, that there's entrepreneurs looking at it as well um so yeah thank you big thank you to my producers on the dubai works podcast alibaba and shahir uh please do subscribe to whichever audio platform you're listening to dubai works on and if you want to listen and watch any of our other shows go to smashy.tv and subscribe to the channel